So, poker or blackjack? I'm going to show you how to operate in a spirit. This is Happy Life Studios. This message is for you. This message is for you. This message is singular to you. It's not for anybody else. It's not hard to get. It's not hard to get. It's not hard to understand. Hey, are you happy? Now that's a great question. Does the sun set high? Does the sun set high? Welcome. Happy Life Studios. We're here to help your life be happier. What's up, Happy Lifer? Thanks for joining us today. Our goal, our desire is that this episode will make your day, your week, your mind, uh, your heart happier. Okay, poker or blackjack? I have to admit, I am not a gambler at all. You know why? Well, because every gambler knows that the secret to surviving is knowing what to throw away, knowing what to keep. (laughs) And I have absolutely no clue as to what I should throw away and what I should keep. In fact, you know what would make my wife happy? If I actually listened to her and weeded out all the stuff in my cluttered garage. Because I simply don't know what to throw away and what to keep. But don't worry. This episode is not about that. It's not about hoarding. It's not about spring cleaning or becoming a minimalist or even the KonMari method. In fact, we may be the only ones not talking about this new you know, house cleaning, decluttering, sensation, fad, uh, called the KonMari method uh, that came from the book Spark Joy. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you probably will after I say this. The KonMari method is the one that, that tells us to grab all the things in our, in our house, like grab all of our clothes and just hold one piece of clothing at a time, hold it next to you, feel its energy or, or whatever it is. And, and if it doesn't spark joy, you get rid of it. So, <laughs> the reason I laugh at that is not because of that. I mean, you know, that's, that's fine if that's. The, <laughs> I'm not making fun of that. I, I'm laughing because inside, um, I'm thinking about some dude who doesn't feel much at all or may not be in touch or in tune with their emotional self trying this method, and his wife comes home to an entirely bare, empty. <laughs> pan and house because nothing sparked joy because he he didn't know if it sparked joy or not i mean he's fine no matter what right or i think about (laughs) sorry my mind is just kind of messed up like this but i think about uh, the lady who decides to go hug her husband or maybe her husband sneaks up behind her and he hugs her and after hugging uh, she throws him out and locks the door behind her (laughs) because she found out (laughs) he didn't spark happy truth is you know after the honeymoon period is over, there are times that we don't spark happy in each other. But I would not suggest, I'm not suggesting that you throw your spouse out or your th- friends out if they don't spark happy because things don't always spark happy. Sometimes happy is a choice that you make. Sometimes love is a choice that you make. And then, you know, right feelings always follow right choices. And sometimes when we make the right choice, the right feelings will come, come out of that. But you know, that obviously the Marie method is not talking about people there. It's talking about decluttering your house, de- decluttering your life. 
I do like what Marie Kondo says, though. I mean, she's the one who came up with the KonMari method, but I like what, what she says when she says that the key to decluttering our life, get this, is to, quote, identify the things that make us happy, end quote. That isn't just the key to a cleaner life, a neater life, a more organized life, a more decluttered life. It's also the key to a happy life, right? Identify the things that make us happy. Focus on those things, which is what this episode is really about, becoming happier. Because life isn't perfect, but it can be happy. And to be honest, unlike Marie Kondo, the thought of decluttering my life, the thought of cleaning out my garage is the farthest thing from a happy life for me. So I'm going to leave that podcast for someone else to create. And even though organizing the garage would give my wife a happy life, uh, I just guess Christine's going to have to find another way to get there. Because like I said, I just don't know what to throw away and know what to keep. Making decisions, let's just say, is not my strong point. Funny story. (laughs) One day I was recording a bunch of YouTube videos at Camp Daniel and uh, Tony uh, his son, Anthony, actually helps me with my with my YouTube channel, which is actually, uh, you should go check it out. We just put out a new a new video. Um, uh, you just go to youtube.com slash Steve O'Hayes, S-T-E-V-O-H-A-Y-S. So I was out at Camp Daniel, and I was trying to record these videos, but I kept asking Tony what I should record, what I shouldn't record. I got this idea, but do you think it'll work? And should I say this or should I say it here instead? Should I end with it or should I start with it? I don't know. What should I do? And on and on. I just kept asking him so many questions. <laughs> he finally got so frustrated with me. I didn't know what he was doing at first, but he just looks at me and he says, Steve, I'm like what? He goes, and I think he's going to help me with my video. You know, he says, have you ever bought a couch? I'm like, what, what do you mean? Have I ever bought a couch? I said, well, yeah, not like I bought a lot of them, but yeah, we've bought a couch before. And then he said, well, how did you know what to buy? Oh my goodness. I'm like, you punk. (laughs) He was saying, make a decision, Steve, just make a decision. But I'm not good at making decisions. So all that to say, that is not what this episode is about. In fact, it's not even about poker or blackjack. Because to be honest, I know jack about blackjack, greenjack, or carjack for that matter. And I know even less about poker. I mean, okay, I know the gist of them, right? Um, I know a full house beats an empty house any day. I know that two of a kind is better than three of a kind because three of a kind always leads to taking sides and someone getting left out and then fights. Trust me, I had three boys. So I know two of a kind obviously beats three of a kind. I know that that kings have to beat aces because aces are only one and kings are, well, they're the kings, right? So they should beat out everything. Well, except for the queens because the queens beat, well, well... (laughs) let's leave that for someone else to also create. (laughs) Let's just say this episode is not about that either. Hey, Steve-O. What? Why don't we talk about what this episode is about? Why, that's a great idea, Alter Eagle. Thanks. Okay, let's talk about what this episode is about. What I do know is what I got from another happy lifer. 
who who shared this with me a couple months ago, and I've been dying to share it with you guys, and I haven't gotten to it yet. And I'm glad that I waited because I saw something last week on Memorial Day that fits in with this perfectly. So I'm glad I didn't already post this. Um, but this happy lifer is uh, amazing at poker. Uh, wins a lot of money at poker. I've got a few friends that that are really good at poker. They can read people well. Uh, I wouldn't say they can they can count cards, but they know what cards have been played for the most part. They keep track of that stuff, and they do pretty well at, at playing poker. They tend to win more than they lose. I mean, I'm not even good at rook or cribbage or <laughs> mini card games, but these guys, uh, you know, they're real they're really good at it. Uh, but this happy lifer told me a couple months ago, he said that he doesn't really play poker much anymore. And I asked him why not. And he says, well, he finally came to the conclusion that when you play poker, when you win at poker, it means that someone else that is sitting right next to you or a few feet across from you had to lose for you to win. He said, and that was just hard for him to handle. Whereas in blackjack, um, Nobody else has to lose for you to win. The house loses, but not the individuals. In fact, when someone wins a blackjack, the rest of the table might even get excited or even celebrate with the winner because they didn't have to lose for that guy to win. They didn't lose. The house did. Okay, so for all you competitive types out there, I get it. Okay, I, I know, I know in order for someone to win, someone else has to lose. That's just the way it is. Okay, I'm fairly competitive myself, so I understand all that. And we all know about the participation trophies and how they made the millennial generation or they wrecked the millennial generation or <laughs> I, I don't know. Personally, I really like them because they, they were the only trophies I ever received except for the one that's right next to me. It's a trophy I got for a music competition. Oh, and I have a bowling one, uh, which is a small, basically it's a small, like a four-inch wooden bowling pin with my name on it and my average on it. That was it. Lame? I know. (laughs) But I didn't have anyone else offering to give me a trophy, so those two meant a lot to me. So whether the participation trophy is good or bad, whether it made or broke the millennials, I don't know. But what I do know is when your team does win, it can get extremely gratifying, especially if they win by beating your biggest rival, the team that you hate the most. Okay, So when your team wins, especially when they beat the team that you can't stand, it can get extremely gratifying. But for the sake of this episode, I'm not talking about a sporting event. When I ask, are you a poker player or a blackjacker in this episode, I'm actually talking about in life. Now, what I mean by that, there are many people out there who win, which is absolutely fine, but they win by making others lose. They climb the ladder of success, but they climb it on the backs of others. There's nothing wrong with using experience of others of taking someone else's success or their hard work or whatever and enlarging it, expanding it, building on it to make the whole thing better. I'm talking about the ones who put others down to push themselves up. 
it's King of the Hill with these guys, and that's it. It's just King of the Hill. There can only be one king. And it doesn't even matter how good they become, how famous they get, how much recognition they receive, how much money they make. If there's somebody out there that gets more, they haven't won until they've beaten that person. Like an NFL player or a star who is making millions already and is fine with it. Who wouldn't be, right? (laughs) However, as soon as another player who plays their position gets a higher contract, these poker players strike, ask to be traded, won't resign with their current team, or won't show up to training camp, or they'll throw a fit until they get a contract that is higher than the other guy who plays the same position as them. I mean, it's not about how well this person does, but how well all the others do compared to to them. They can't rejoice in other people's wins because that means that they came in second or worse. So what I saw last week on Memorial Day, I was watching a documentary on war. Actually, uh, it was more about the people of war, the soldiers, the heroes, those that pay a price for my freedom, for our freedom, and how war affected them even decades later. I mean, it was powerful. One of the interviews was with a helicopter pilot who desperately wanted one thing, a rescue mission, because all of the other pilots had gotten a rescue mission and she hadn't been able to fly one yet. And she couldn't wait until she had one. She just had to get a rescue mission like all the other pilots had. And then one day she got the call. Oh, she talked about in the interview how excited she was. She couldn't believe it. They're going to fly her in and she's going to get her rescue mission finally. And then the interview gets kind of serious. Her story turns somber because she started talking about how excited she was for the rescue mission until she saw them loading that injured person onto her helicopter. And she, she realized at that moment that for her to have her rescue mission meant that someone else had to have a tragedy. I mean, everything changed for her at that moment. She went from being a poker player to a blackjack player that fast. Okay, so can I get really honest with you? I want to, but yet I don't. I'm I'm real hesitant on whether I should go here or not. But I, I feel like I want to, and I feel like I should. I, I want to become vulnerable. And I want to share how horrible, how absolutely horrible I am at poker. And no, I'm not talking about that octagon, green, fuzzy, felt poker table. I'm talking about poker in real life. Someone else has to lose for me to win. I... I I want to share my failure with you guys at at playing poker in life. I don't mind becoming vulnerable. I'm more concerned that people are going to think that I'm trying to get attention or, or, or that I want pity. I, I, I don't want pity. I want to explain to you how I'm feeling. I want to explain to you how bad I am at poker when it comes to real life. Uh, a lot of people might not be able to understand this. I don't know, but my wife and I, my family live completely on faith. I mean, we are called, um, our, our life's calling is to spread this message that God has given us. And uh, we, don't, we don't charge for it. I've had all sorts of people 
tell me I should do that. Even people that do what I do and you need to have a minimum. And But I don't want money to be an issue whether I can go share. I mean, I, I speak all over the country. Um, I've spoken in other countries. I speak in schools. I speak in churches. I speak at youth retreats. I do happy use for free. We've talked about those. And, and I just, I just want to spread the message. But for that to happen, um, you know, I, I speak at places that can't really afford to have me come and speak, but I don't care. I just want to come and share the message, the happy message, the message that I have that's been birthed inside of me. I just want to share that. But because of that, um, we tend to live without a whole lot of money a whole lot of the time. Um, there are a lot of things that my wife and my sons have had to sacrifice so that we can live this life that I feel God has called us to live. And like I said, we don't want pity. It's, it's a decision that we made. I know I have the skills. I could get a job somewhere else. I've been offered jobs at other places. I've been offered jobs at other churches, but I've got this conviction. I got to do what I feel like God is telling me to do. And I feel like he has sent me out with this message. But that means we go without on a lot of things. I mean, there are many times we aren't sure how we're going to even buy groceries. Vacations are few and far between. (laughs) Honestly, I could probably count on one hand how many vacations my boys and I have been on. You know, when that really gets difficult, though? Because like I said, we, we, we're cool with this. We're okay with this. We've made that decision. But when it gets difficult for me, and it does get difficult, don't get me wrong, um, it's right after like a Christmas break or a summer break when all their friends all go back to school and they all begin to talk about the places their family got to go, the vacations their family got to go on. They got to go to Disneyland. They got to go to Europe. They got to, to go wherever. And as a dad, uh, that's... That's tough. That's brutal on me. And I sit and I wonder, you know, what do my boys do? Do they just remain quiet? Do they excuse themselves and leave the room and and wish that they could have went on a vacation? Do they talk about what their family did or when the teacher says, so where did you go? And my boys say, "Um, my dad took me to Burger King. (laughs) I mean, we went to a movie. I mean, I can't provide for my family sometimes. I, I feel like a failure. When, when I'm at that point, when I'm having difficulty paying my bills or buying groceries or being able to buy something nice for my wife or go on a date with my babe, um, and I see all the posts on social media of people on the beach or in another country or at a concert, uh, an amusement park, a sporting event, or some something else I can't afford to take my family to, to let alone just me and my babe. This is when I stink at life poker. This bothers me to say this. Um, It bothers me that I'm like this sometimes. Who am I kidding? Many times. Many times I'm like this. Maybe more often than not. I don't rejoice with, with those that got to go to Disney. I don't get excited for them that got to go overseas or got to take their family on this dream. And I should, but I don't. I, I, I don't get excited for them. I don't celebrate their win. I only see my loss. I only see my failure, my inability to provide so my family can buy clothes or go on a vacation. Poke er player. I want to play blackjack. 
It's like Paul said in the Bible, he says, the things I want to do, I don't. And the things I don't want to do, I do. And I, I want to be a blackjack player, but I tend to play poker instead. And that bothers me. I want to be the kind of man, the kind of human who doesn't compare, but enjoys instead. I want to celebrate other people. I want to celebrate their wins. I don't want to compare my failures to their successes. We've talked about this many times, and I'm sure you've heard the statement a lot, but hurt people hurt people. And I believe that wholeheartedly. If you've been hurt, you're probably going to hurt someone. Hurt people hurt people. In fact, I also believe that angry people anger people. And the list goes on and on. I also think that hurt people have been hurt by people. Angry people have been angered by people. That's why they're angry. That's why they're hurt. And that's why they hurt other people. That's why they anger other people. Maybe not always, but I bet you most of the time, this is true. If someone is hurting somebody, it's probably because they got hurt. If someone is angering somebody, it's probably because somebody made them angry. I, I guess, guess what I'm trying to say is there is a reason people hurt people. And if we could just walk a mile in their shoes, to be honest, we'd probably only have to walk a block in their shoes. We could feel their pain. If we could feel their pain, if we could see their past, we would probably have a little more patience and compassion towards them. We talked about this a few episodes ago, um, but there's another principle that says you grow what you plant. You reap what you sow. So if you want people to celebrate your wins, then you need to celebrate theirs. That's, that's how it works, even if you don't feel like it. I mean, we all want others to be happy with us when we're happy, right? To celebrate with us when, when we win. I mean, it's, there's nothing much more of a downer than when you're super happy and, and you're all excited and you want to celebrate a win, but someone else is, won't get happy with you. They're, they're, they stay sad. Man, that's just, you want to talk about a kill joy, a, a kill happy, man, that's it. We want people to celebrate with us. That's the greatest thing that can happen. When I'm happy, I want someone else to be happy with me. And if my team is a team that beats their team, <laughs> I want them to be a good sport. I want them to relax. I want them to realize there'll be another game. I want them to lose well. This all sounds great <laughs> until it's my team that lost to the team we dislike so much. We get so angry at people who do the same things as us. Okay, maybe I'm the only one. I don't, I don't want to judge you. I'm sorry if I'm doing that. But I think if we really looked at our lives carefully, or better yet, had others look at our lives and we were vulnerable enough to let them tell us what they find, what they see, we might see that things we are hardest on in others are the things we do to others ourselves. <laughs> I mean, I hate tailgating. Or I mean, I hate tailgaters. Okay, <laughs> that's a better way to put it. Because if someone is tailgating me, I get mad right? And I will just hit the gas and I'll take off drastically fast just to get space between me and them. And then I'll go back the speed limit and they'll catch back up to me and then I'll hit the gas again because I just passively aggressively, I'm telling you, I'm a terrible poker player here. <laughs> I passively aggressively want them to get the hint that they're tailgating me and I don't like it. I mean, I'll even pull over on the shoulder. 
I'll pull over and I'll wave them on, go around me, and then I'll pull out right behind them just so that they know, you know, that I didn't like them tailgating me. <laughs> okay. But when I'm in a hurry, I find myself tailgating like crazy myself. So I want to thank you for letting me get so real with you because this is something that I am working on personally so that I can live a happier life. I think this is a key to living a happier life. If we're poker players in life, in other words, someone else has to lose and it's usually someone in close proximity with us. If we always have to beat somebody else for us to win, that doesn't lead to a happy life because you can't win every game, right? But if we can learn to be blackjack players, it, it reminds me of a story I read once on the Special Olympics. And in this, in this race, in track and field, it was a tie. Now, if we were to have a tie in the Olympics, there'd be a lot of people that would be disappointed because nobody won the gold. They tied instead. In the story that I read, it was so touching because what happened at the end of the, the race when they tied, they started hugging each other. And they started running around the track, holding hands with each other, saying, we all win. We all win. <laughs> That's what a blackjack player in life does. Someone else doesn't have to lose for them to win. They can win without someone else having to lose. So to live a happier life, I think we've got to become blackjack players and lay down the poker cards. I mean, Romans 12, 15 through 19, I had another happy lifer. Give me this verse just a couple hours ago. Romans 12, 15 through 19 says this, bless your enemies, no cursing under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they're down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. Verse 17, don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you, get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Wow. Romans 12, <laughs> they figured out the blackjack method. So can I leave you with one little thing that I do? That's actually helping me grow in this area. I'm getting better in this area. And this one thing has probably helped me more than anything else. When I speak or even think bad stuff over other people, when I'm feeling like a failure and I'm seeing their wins and it's making me mad and, and I, I act out on that, I think out on that. When I can't celebrate the wins because I feel like a failure, this is what I do. It's simple, and yet it's so difficult. It's difficult if you wait for the feeling to do it, if you wait till you're convinced to do it. But the act in itself is simple. It's just speaking a sentence out loud. It's speaking the opposite out loud over that situation. So when I've got a negative thought towards somebody, like, man, it must be nice to be able to go to Disneyland, I speak out the opposite, even if I don't feel it. I speak out, God, that's really cool that you bless them to go to Disneyland. Bless them so that they can go again. <laughs> this happens to me a lot when I'm driving, you know, and someone's driving too slow and I want to tailgate, right? Or they cut right in front of me. There's miles behind me. They could have pulled in behind me, but they cut right in front of me and I get mad at them and I think something negative or I say something negative over them. Like what a jerk. I will speak the opposite. I'll say, 
God, I'm sorry for that. That person's not a jerk. You made them. They're awesome. Now bless them. Because the Bible says out of our mouth comes blessing or cursing. We choose. And so all I do is speak the opposite. That's not hard to do. It's hard to do if I have to wait to feel it first. But when I speak it out before I feel it, it's kind of like letting my ugly side know it's not in charge here anymore. My good side is now in charge here. Ugly side, you shut up. The side that wants to speak curses, the side that wants to play poker, the side that wants them to lose so I can feel better about myself winning, or at least we both lose then. (laughs) No, you're not in charge anymore here. We all win. And when I speak the opposite out loud over that person, over that situation, the ugly side shuts up and the happy side speaks up. I usually don't feel what I'm saying, let alone believe it, but I say it anyway. I'll also tell you that most often by the time I've finished my sentence over them, I feel more like the blackjack player. I'm telling you, if every time I start playing poker, I will lay down those cards and I will head to the blackjack table instead, my happy gets bigger and my sad gets smaller. My wins increase and my losses decrease. In fact, a lot of the losses that we feel are losses aren't even losses. They're ourselves believing that the losses when they really aren't because we are comparing ourselves to somebody else's strength. We believe that someone else has to lose for us to win, and it's not true. We can run around the track of life together, holding each other's hands up in the air and say, we all win. And you will be happy too. It's easy to say that sentence. God bless them. You're speaking something into existence is what you're doing. You're speaking not only a win for them into existence, you're speaking a win for yourself as well. Steve Ace.